that I'm not anti-science. I believe in science. I believe in medicine. I believe in all those things. There are good people that are in these, these categories of the sciences. But we also have to take a realistic look at what science teaches us. So this morning, this morning I like to talk to you about water. And I'm going to go about it, about it in a long way, but I want to talk to you about water. If you look on the internet, you will come across a place called Space Place. It's, it's a NASA website. And I love this website. It's one of my favorite websites because it's, it's designed to help educate elementary students in all of the sciences. And the reason why I love this website is because they speak of my language. You know, I'm not the brilliant guy. They come up with all these scientific stuff. And so they got some cool pictures too, you know. So I love NASA website. And this is their mission. This is their, their goal as a website. Launched in 1998, NASA Space Place's mission is to inspire and enrich upper elementary age kids learning of space and earth science online through fun games, hands-on activities, informative articles, and engaging short videos. Material is in both English and Espanol, and resources for parents and teachers. NASA Space Place, NASA Space Place has something for everyone. So this is the website that you would go to if you want to find out some basic elementary things. What do you really believe? What do you really believe? This website is built by NASA to help kids learn science. Stuff is taught to all of our children in public schools. So if you go to any school, public school, and even homeschool, you know, that they, they will teach you all the things that they have learned from NASA and what they have told us. How the universe began, how long it took, where we came from. So how did the universe begin? Here's the short answer on Space Place's website. The Big Bang is how astronomers explain the way the universe began. It is an idea that the universe began as just a single point, then expanded and stretched to grow as large as it is right now, and it is still stretching. Kind of like after Thanksgiving, you know, things just keep stretching, right? I mean, this is so what they're explaining to us is that there was this singularity, this single point. They used to call it a cosmic egg, but it was this single point that collapsed on itself, blew up, bang, and all of a sudden we get the universe. But already this page has lied to you. Did you notice what I read? It says this, the Big Bang is how astronomers explain why the universe, or the way the universe began. They lied to you already because it's not called the Big Bang, it's called this. It's called the Big Bang Theory. Why would they leave that word out? Why would they leave that word out, theory? Because why would you want a teacher in class saying, children, today I'm going to explain to you the Big Bang Theory. Mrs. Teacher, Mrs. Teacher? Yes, little Johnny. What's theory? What's a theory? Well, then the teacher would look at the student and say, it's a plausible, scientific, acceptable, general principle, a body of principles offered to explain phenomenon. Okay, can I go bathroom, teacher? You know, it's like, how do you explain a theory to a kid? And, and, and people, the scientific community will rage against people who say, it's not just a theory. It is proven. It is proven. This is how we explain things. This is, this is fact. Well, let's look at the scientific method. Scientific method is, has several steps. It's, first we observe, right? We use our senses 
and we take notes about our observation. We take notes about what we have observed. Then we ask questions. We think about the problem at hand and we begin to ask smart questions that deal with the subject. And then we form a hypothesis, right? It's the, we're trying to explain the answers of our uh, potential explanation for the answers of the questions that we have. And, and then we predict what's going to happen. And uh, we, we predict and, and what our hypothesis will lead to. And then we conduct experiments uh, to test it out and to see if it's true. And then we analyze the data afterwards to validate or dismiss our thoughts. Maybe our hypothesis was wrong. And then we share our results. And, and in the, the community, it's called a peer-reviewed paper, right? Because you can write something, but if other people have evidence against or or they got things that disagree with with it you know it's it's peer-reviewed and so once you kind of get something that's it's kind of like open software i love open software because it could be dangerous you can put viruses in this these programs that's true but when it's open software everyone can see the code you can't you can't just you can't just hide something i remember writing a a like a like a 20-page paper in college and right in the middle of my page of the paper, I put on there, parentheses, I know you're not even reading this, and I kept going. And when I got it back, I was marked off 10 points, and the explanation was, I read this, <laughs> you know? And he saw it, he highlighted that, you know? It's like, oh, who's gonna notice? But when it's out and open, everyone can attack it, everyone can confirm it, and so forth. So let's look at an example of scientific method. Is, uh, don't worry, there is no pop quiz today, okay? So I know that some of you think we're gonna have a pop quiz, but there's not. Let's look at an example of the scientific method. Uh, first of all, let's, let's, uh, let's look at a car, you know, because our car right now won't start. Our Acura won't start. So we get in the car and it won't start. And we ask ourselves, how can we solve this problem? Maybe, maybe we start to, to ask questions and we start forming a hypothesis. What's wrong with the car? And we start guessing, what could be wrong? And we start making predictions about our guesses. We, we turn the, you know, is it the battery? Or did it, did, you know, maybe I got the wrong keys or am I out of gas? And, and the next thing we do is we test our predictions. We turn the headlights on, okay, I got power, you know, and, and, and we check to see if we got spark. Okay, it's turning over, it looks good, we got spark. Let me look in the gas. And then we, we take a dipstick and we go long into a little dry stick and you see that there's no gas in the tank and then you then you you analyze your results well headlights work so I got power and I got spark but I got no gas and then you draw a conclusion the car's out of gas even though the gauge says it's half full you have no gas and so you you start to draw conclusions then you share your results with people and you say honey the car's out of gas and she goes I know I ran it out of gas it's empty it's like, what? You know? So, so you share your results with people. So that's the scientific way of, of kind of going through a scientific method of a real-world explanation. Well, let's look at the scientific method when it comes to the Big Bang Theory. We observe. Well, first of all, we live in this place that's a beautiful place. Earth is such a beautiful place. We look up and we see what? The moon and the sun and the stars all moving around in the sky. We see clouds. We know that, that we live in a system. We know that we live in some type of system and we observe this. Then we start asking questions, well, where did this come from? Who invented this? You know, we're flipping over rocks, seeing if we can see little labels saying made in China, right? I mean, we're, where did this stuff come from? And we ask questions, how did it happen? And then we form a hypothesis. Um, I, you know what, I, I think that what happened was, was that a little dot 
this thing just collapsed on itself and then it blew up. Well, first of all, what a dud event, right? It's in a vacuum of space. There's no sound, right? Why well, don't call it the Big Bang Theory? You know, bang! You know, you're thinking of something exciting. It's like, I mean, so, I mean, it should have been the big silent event or something. I don't know. The first silent movie ever created. But, but you start to form the hypothesis, and I think that what happened was this little thing collapsed on itself, and, and then it blew up, and, and then all of a sudden we have this great universe. And so we predict what our hypothesis will lead to. Well, everything in the universe, the birds and, and the trees and people and water, all this stuff had to come from somewhere. It must have came from that Big Bang. So we predict how the universe comes, but then we conduct the experiment, and this is where it gets interesting. You conduct things to test and prove your hypothesis, your theory. And so what experiment did they prove, experiment did they do that proved the Big Bang Theory? What experiment did they do? This is what NASA says, and this is from one of their articles on, on their, the nasa.gov website. It says, from NASA we learned in 1929, Edwin Hubble announced that almost all galaxies appear to be moving away from us. In fact, he found that the universe was expanding and all the galaxies moving away from each other. This phenomenon was observed as a red shift of galaxy spectrum. The red shift appears to be larger for faint, presumably further galaxies. Hence, the farther the galaxy, the faster it is receding from Earth. So there their proof is this, that Edwin Hubble noticed in, in this redshift that was happening and it was moving away from us. And so if things are moving away from us, then things must have started at a central spot. So if, if, if you throw a ball you know, with a string on it, you know exactly where the ball came from because the string is connected to it. And so things were moving away, but... but this is interesting to me because listen how NASA explains this. This is where I get confused. It says this phenomenon, the redshift, this phenomenon, this is from NASA, was observed. It's called an observation. It's not an experiment. Edwin Hubble didn't put the universe in little test tubes and had something boiling in the background and had the goggles on with the white jacket and the big rubber gloves with smoke coming out of things everywhere. There was no experiment done. This was an observation. This was something that he observed. An observation is the first step in the scientific method. It's an observation. And the problem is when you start digging deeper into the Big Bang Theory, you start to notice things fall apart. The Big Bang Theory is this, billions and billions of years ago, a singular point collapsed upon itself, and then boom, the universe began to expand, and it's still expanding. How many billions of years ago? NASA tells us, and this is a quote from their space place for children again. This was updated March 17th, 2021. So this year, just a few months ago, this was updated. It says, how long did all this take? Well, we know that the universe is 13,800,000,000 years old. That's 13.8 billion years. That is a very long time. Did you catch this? This is from NASA once again on their Space Place website. It says, how long did this all take, take, take place, the Big Bang? 
We know that the universe is 13.8 billion. We know? How do we know? I mean, you can't even predict rain accurately. <laughs> you know? You can't, you, can't, you can't predict a lot of things, you know? It's, that's what always amazes me with predictions. They're always further out because then you won't be validated whether it's right or wrong. How do we know it's 13.8 billion years? See, the problem is that NASA states things as fact that go against what God said. And NASA states things based upon observations, based upon theories, based upon mathematical calculations, but not upon fact. We know that the earth is 13.8 billion. That's not a fact, it's a theory. Then after 10 billion years, so after this Big Bang event happened, after 10 billion years, things started to cool enough where water started to form. Then oceans would be created, and then all of a sudden you have bacteria because you need water for life, and then bacteria, and then all of a sudden the toad, and then came the monkey, and then came people. Water didn't appear on this earth, they say, until 4 billion years ago. 3.8 billion years ago, water was first possible on this place. Why in the world are you talking about this in church, Pastor? Because to me, I think it is important to know God's Word. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1. Verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Everyone say, over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault or an expanse or a firmament between the waters to separate water from water. Everyone say water from water. And God, so God made the vault to separate the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so, and God called the vault sky. And there was evening, there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called sea, and God saw that it was good. I'm going to stop right there for right now. Do you see the problem that we have when it comes to how do we deal with science and how do we deal with the Bible? Because if you go to every single school, and I, I'm not anti-teacher. I mean, I was when I was in school. But now that I graduate, I understand that they have a job to do. I appreciate that they teach. But I have a problem with science when they tell us things that are completely contrary to what God says. We read in verse 1, on day 1, God created the heavens and the earth, the light and the darkness, which is contrary, which is completely opposite of what NASA says. But the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Also on day 2, God separated the waters from above from the waters from below. And then on day 3, God called the dry ground land, and he gathered the waters he called sea. If you notice, there is water ever since the beginning of creation. Water existed. 
But that's not what NASA tells us. NASA tells us that it would be at least 10 billion years after this Big Bang happened. It would be at least 10 billion years before the earth would cool enough so that water could form from these crystals and, and this miraculous thing happened and all of a sudden water appears on the earth and it took oh, millions and billions of years for that water to start to produce bacteria and start to give the ability to have life and then all of a sudden we find out bacteria is here and then, then, then this species, this toad comes out of the water and it turns into a man. Do you know that the first, one of the first discoveries of evidence for evolution the the step between being a monkey and being a being an ape and being a person they found this this jawbone that that had this shape but you know it was end up being a hoax end up being disproven oops let's just put that one under the rug it's the peloton man or something like that i don't know the name off my hand off the top of my head but it was a hoax he made it up he took the jawbone of an ape or orangutan and he passed it off. So, so you have this idea that, that after 10 billion years when things would cool and you would start to have water. But I have a problem because Genesis tells us that one of the first things that was created, the heavens and the earth, and water. Water. Now, people who are much smarter than me have different views of creation. I like to take things as literal as possible unless the context is different or you can understand that there's something different going on. Just like when Jesus says it's better to pluck out an eye and go to heaven than it is to go to hell with two eyes. Well, we know that Jesus is not literally talking about plucking out an eye or cutting off a hand. He's telling us, listen, it's better to take care of the things and you may go with less right now, but it's better to do that and go to heaven than it is to go to hell with all the riches and glories of this world and all the pleasures than go to hell. So, so we understand from context, but here Genesis is a historical document. It's, it's called a historical genre. It's written as history. It's not written to tell a story or a poem. It's not a parable. This is history written for us as God revealed it to Moses. So God is, is revealing this to Moses, his servant, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, Moses, I want to tell you how this world began. And it began with water. Even if you have different view of creation, like I said, there are a lot of professors, there are a lot of people out there that have different views of creation, and, and there are people much smarter that have little acronyms behind their name, like doctor and PhD and all that stuff, that, that know so much more about this stuff than I do. So I'm just going to take a very simple viewpoint. Because you, there are people who believe in what's called the framework theory, that, that Genesis wasn't really about creation the how it came about, they're just explaining why it came about and how on day one, two, and three, God creates the realms. He creates the sea. He creates the land. He creates the sky and the, the atmosphere. And then on day four, five, and six, he fills those things with it, with the birds and the, the, the animals and the fish and then finally the people. And so it's not really a literal day thing. And there's some people who believe in the day theory where, where you know, we don't know the, that these days were actually 24 hours a day. We, you know, we, we may think they're millions or billions of years. And if they were billions of years, then, then NASA maybe has a point. Maybe NASA can squeeze in all those billions of years into the story. But the problem is this. You always come back to is water. 
water. It was there at the beginning of creation. Day one, water. Now, if you take an honest reading of, or a literal reading of Genesis, you'll see that the word day, yom, is is talking about a normal day. And in the context of Genesis, it's written as a normal day. But NASA tells us that it would take almost 10 billion years in order for this earth to be able to have water. Water. So my question, my thoughts, my head starts asking this question and starts thinking this way that somebody's lying to me. And I have a suspicion that it was my third grade teacher, Mrs. Ramey, who never liked me. She lied to me. She told me what the book said, the science book. I'm not anti-scientist, anti-science. I'm anti-Big big, big Bang Theory. I'm anti-Big Bang Theory because it does not hold up to what the water of God says. I don't, even if you believe in a day theory, even if you believe in a framework, water is always at the beginning. It's always at the beginning. So maybe you don't believe this preacher. Maybe you say, you know what, Pastor? I, man, you're, you know, I like you, but you start talking about all this stuff and I'm kind of losing confidence in you. Well, if you don't believe this preacher, please believe this preacher. Because this preacher believes that in a moment in time, nothing collapsed on itself and it exploded, and now we have the universe. His name is Georges Lamenter, or whatever, it's some French name, Belgian name. He was a Belgian priest. He was a Catholic priest who came up with the Big Bang Theory. He was also a mathematician and an astronomer, but he was a Catholic priest. And I just, if I could go back to George and say, George, Georgie, Georgie, Georgie. Did you ever read Genesis 1? How do you explain water? Well, you see, it's expanding. Oh, okay. What about Genesis 1? Well, you see, I'm smarter than you. Oh, okay. How do you explain water? Where did the water go? Where's the water? Because in the Bible, in Genesis 1, the water was there at day 1. A priest that never believed that God created the heavens and the earth. He can't believe that. Because he said that everything started with this little dot and it exploded and all of a sudden we have the universe. But the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Like I said, they used to call it a cosmic egg. But the problem was, was that people started saying, well, where did the egg come from? And this theory, even though you think this Big Bang Theory has been around for such a long time, it's relatively a new theory. It's less than 100 years old. In 1927, he came up with this theory. Two years later, Edwin Hubble would come up with his theory on the redshift, and now, aha, we have proof that the Big Bang is correct. A theory that is never questioned but taken as fact. And if you go through, like I said, every elementary school, every school in, in America, you will see Big Bang evolution, and it's presented as fact. So where did this dot come from? 
If the earth is from the sun, you know, because everything came from this dot and the, the sun starts spitting off stuff and it formed its own star and we come from the sun. Well, the problem is, is that, you know, the sun is made up of 98% of helium and hydrogen, hydrogen and helium. 98% of the sun is hydrogen and helium, but the earth only has 1% of hydrogen and helium. And where does gold come from? And it doesn't come from those commercials on TV. Where does gold come from? Where does where do the, all the other elements come from? And then if, think about this, how come we're the only planet that has liquid water? How come we're the only planet that has liquid water? How come the inner planets like Venus and Mercury and Earth and Mars, how come we're all solid objects and all the other outer planets are gas objects? Jupiter, Saturn, they're all gas balls, they tell us. How come all the planets rotate in the same direction except for Venus rotates opposite? How did we get the moon? This is a very interesting question because you know today no one has a, in a clue how the moon got here. Because every theory that they came up with has problems. The earth, the moon, this asteroid crashes into the moon and it breaks off a chunk. And Well, how come the sun didn't pull that? You know, there are so many problems with the moon to science. As a matter of fact, if you do an honest look into where the moon came from, the theorists, they have no clue. I know where the moon came from, but we'll save that for later. Even the science community is having problems explaining their held beliefs on the Big Bang. Eric Lenner wrote an article in uh, the New Scientist magazine called Bucking the Big Bang, and this is what he said. And these are people who want it to be true, said this. Big Bang theory relies upon a growing number of hypothetical enti entities, things that we've never observed. We never observed a galaxy being formed. Matter of fact, there was an article I came across that says, supernovas, the only problem is we always miss them. You know, things that we never observed. Inflation, this dark matter, dark energy are the most prominent. Without them, there would be a fatal contradiction between the observations made by astrometers and the predictions of the Big Bang Theory. In other fields or physics, would this continually recourse to new hypothetical objects be accepted as a way of bridging the gap between theory and observation? It would at least raise serious questions about the validity of the underlying theory. Even the science community has a problem with this. You can't talk about Genesis without coming up to this point because this is where the battle is going to begin. Because everything that God has said is in contradiction with everything man has said. The Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he formed this vast unvoid empty place and there was water over everything and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. On day two, we see that he created the firmament and the waters from above were separated from waters below. And yet every science teacher will tell us that water cannot exist on the earth because it's too hot until 10 billion years later. We're going to come up to this. So somebody is lying to us. I know, I know that they lied to me when they talked, said that I was from a monkey. Even in school, they'd show me these pictures. And I thought, that one kind of looks like my uncle, 
But no, I don't believe it. Why? Because I remember going to catechism. They told us God created the heavens and the earth. I know that, that, that things didn't start by happenstance and this big theory, this, this theory of the singularity that collapsed on itself, exploded. All of a sudden we have internet and t color TV. That did not just happen by, its, by chance. It didn't happen because we just happened to be magically 93 million miles away so that the earth can habitat this atmosphere and water. I don't believe any of that the way they say it. Why? Because it's not the way my God said. My God said he created the heavens and the earth. He created it. He put the water upon the, this face and, and the spirit of God was hovering. He's the one who separated the waters from above from the waters from the below. And he's the one who made the dry land appear. And he's the one who's going to bring vegetation and plantation. He's the one who's going to bring the, the fish and the birds and the animals. And he's the one who is going to create people out of his own image. He's the one who started it. When? In the beginning. Not 13.8 billion years ago. No. Because they don't know how long. But I believe God who's never lied to me. I believe a God who has never misled me. I believe a God whose word is always valid and never changes. Unlike the scientists who lied to us about the theories of Big Bang and evolution, God has never lied to us. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? This verse was so important to me over these last several years when I thought everything was going to fail, when I thought everything was going to fall, when I thought everything was going to collapse on me, God reminded me of this verse that I do not lie. And when I read this verse, I said, God, how can you say you don't lie? Everything I see, everything I hear, everything I feel tells me opposite, that it's going to fail. And yet you tell me by your word that you're going to sustain me, that you're going to protect me, that you're going to deliver me, that you're going to do what you promised me. How dare you God say that to me because everything that is in this world every reality that I sense tells me it's not going to happen and then God reminded me I'm not like you Pete I'm God and I do not lie and when I speak it, you better believe it's going to come to pass. And when my God said it's time to create this realm that we live in, he says, let there be light and there was light. When he said, let there be water, there was water. When he said, let there be land, there was land. And when God speaks miracles into your life, it will happen. People will tell you all the time, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work out. God is not like us. He's not human. He does not lie. And when he speaks, it will happen. That's why when God tells me something, even though, I'll be honest, sometimes I don't want to hear it. Sometimes I wish God would just, just be more real with me and say, Pete, it's not going to work out. But see, God keeps putting hope in my heart. God keeps putting belief in my heart. God keeps putting promises in my heart. And when I read his word, he begins just to continue to remind me that he never lies and he never will. So why would NASA lie to us? Why would they? The same reason that Jesus said, the devil is the father of lies. This world is not our world. There is this ruler that goes around. His name is called Satan. And he lies. And he tries to kill, steal, and destroy. 
And how many minds has he destroyed of those young elementary students who do not no longer have to put a belief in an awe in God when it can be explained how this world came about through monkeys? I think it is important. And I think it's a fight worth fighting. Because I want people to know that God created this world. That he did it the way he said it. And every theory and every science book is going to have a problem with water. But water plays such an important part in the story. Because it's through water that God will save his people when they cross the Red Sea. It's through water that God would send a little baby down the, the channel and ended up in Pharaoh's daughter. And that little baby would save his people through the power of God. It's through water that God would put a family in the boat and save. And it's through water that we recognize that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior and we're baptized in his name, confirming that we trust, we believe in Jesus. I believe it's a fight that we're going to have to come against. And it's going to come against everything you've taught, everything you believed, everything. Listen, I'm not here to try to convince you what to believe or how to believe. But I am going to stand on God's word and I'm going to take it at face value. That God is not like us and he does not lie. And when he spoke Genesis 1, he spoke it. And we can believe in him. Maybe you're here today and you've been listening to some lies in your own life. Maybe you've been thinking that I'm not good enough or, or God's mad at me. That's why I'm going through this. Or, or maybe God can't forgive. Or if, if my spouse found out what's going on or if my parents found out and you're afraid. That's a lie because God says that he will forgive you. Now, you may have to suffer the consequences of those things, but he will forgive you. He'll help you. Because when I thought the world was falling apart and God kept speaking to me these promises and these blessings, what I did not realize was that my day three was coming where the land was going to be revealed and water was going to be drawn back and the land was going to be revealed. The promise was going to be revealed. And some, some of you right now feel like, like you're just covered with all this water and you're just chaotic and you don't understand what the purpose is. I want to tell you that God is going to make the land appear. And you can trust him. Because he's never lied to you. 